morning and turn your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's been a practice in uh, many churches and especially on social media. You will see uh, different people. Not that it's right or wrong. They will choose a word. Oh, please don't do this today. They will choose a word for the year or pray and ask the Lord uh, what the word for that year is. Excuse me. Is that better? Okay. Um, That has not been my practice. I've... I did one time, someone asked us to choose a word, and uh, I don't think I took it to heart like I was supposed to, and I just picked one, and every time it showed up, it knocked me over the head, and so I didn't want to go off in the flesh and do that much more. (laughs) But this year, I believe that word found me, and I believe it's a word for the days ahead for us. And you need to know, if you pick a word, that's one thing. But if the Lord gives you a word from his word, a rhema word, a living word, there is a spiritual dynamic attached to that, that empowers, that illuminates, that strengthens, that affects us mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. And in the power of that word, you can go 40 days to the Mount of Horeb. And I believe this verse, and by the time this Sunday is done, if the Lord allows, you will have one word to uh, be the, the foundation from all the other words that will come to you out of his book. And it's this, 2 Timothy two fifteen. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I want to speak to you this morning, if the Lord allows, by his grace, on the word nevertheless. Let's pray together. Father, I just stand before you on this first Sunday of this year, more aware of my inability than ever before, and more in need of your ability that's available and faithful. I just thank you for the privilege that's mine, although undeserved, to be a preacher of your word. And I wouldn't go into this year without asking you, like I I try to remember to always to anoint me so that there might be benefit for those that you have bought with your own blood and are here today. Anoint my words with your Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord. Let us see Jesus more clearly. Let us see our commission more clearly. Let us see your promises more clearly. Uh, Touch our eyes with the salve of your Spirit, O Lord. 
And help this word to be knit to the fabric of our soul, Lord, I pray. So that we would have the benefit thereby in the coming year. Lord, I ask today that you would bless Wade and Brooke and Precious Olive. That you would uh, strengthen them and encourage them. And remind them of our great love for them. And Father, if there is a blessing reserved for us here, I pray that you would give it to them. And... um, Just keep that which we've committed to you over the years, Lord, against that day, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to speak to you on that word, but it's going to be the culmination of the message. And I want to talk to you, it's kind of like two parts. I want to talk to you about an unshakable foundation, an unbreakable seal, and a universal distinction. You're going to have to think with me, but then we're going to tie it together. I pray that with with strong emotion and witness in your heart, where when you hear the word of God preached and your spirit man says, yes, not maybe, not might, but yes, and it becomes kind of like a, you know, when they brand cows and that, you hear that It goes into the inner fabric of who we are, and it becomes second nature, reflexive. And you'll find yourself, my prayer is, during this year, saying out loud to it, to them, to mountains, to valleys, to seas, to impossibilities, to obstacles, to demonic hordes, nevertheless... The foundation of God standeth sure. The Lord knows them that are his. Number one, the unshakable foundation. This foundation of God standeth. It standeth sure. Although much and many of us have been laid upon this foundation. It standeth sure even though the church is not yet completed. Even though it, the foundation, and the church is despised, mocked, rejected, and mercilessly attacked. Even though the faith of some of us is weak, polluted, denied, turned away from and abandoned, the foundation of God still remains. It still standeth and it is sure. It is divine. No other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ the Lord. The foundation of God is Jesus Christ the Lord and he standeth. His foundation is immovable, unshakable, eternal, and in the heavens. And we have an anchor within the veil. Boats in the earth, uh, in, in the seas, are anchored below. We are anchored from above. Our anchor is inside the very throne room of God. And if the winds are strong enough in this world and in this life, in this season, to literally pull you and put your feet up off the ground, you're still anchored from above. Anchored in him. It's a personal foundation. Said the Lord knoweth them that are his. He just doesn't know them. He knows them that are his. I'll tell you the difference between babies and my babies. They're mine. I mean, you like mine, but you love yours. I'm a his. You're a his or uh, his daughter, his son. See, 
it goes from a theological idea to a personal reality. I know that God is so good that his goodness will find me. And I know that I am his. And I recognize my children's voice over any other voice. I know what Isabel's inflection sounds like. I know when she's trying to manipulate. I can tell and how she pauses in her words. I know the good, the bad, the ugly, because she is mine. And Olivia is mine. And Elisha is mine. Oh, to God that you would cross over from just talking about the, the faith that you have and understand that you are his. That's my foundation. He, my foundation is not that I know God. My foundation is that God knows me and I am his. He paid for me, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with the precious blood of the son of God. This foundation is singular and exclusive. Not many foundations. It's not Jesus and the church. It's not Jesus and Christ chapel. It's not Jesus and the assemblies of God. It's not Jesus and my home group. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Away with this idea that we need to make our church name great. That we need to brand ourselves so that the community knows who we are. It's not important that they know who we are. It's important that we demonstrate who he is. And make his name great. This foundation is covered. It's hidden by that which is built upon it. It's invisible to the naked eye. I might, not, I might not be able to see your foundation, but I can see the things that flow from it. It's stable. It's immovable. During high winds, great rain, calamities, disasters, and war, it's time-tested. It's factual. It's provable by a record in heaven. The Lamb's Book of Life has your name written in it by the hand of God Almighty. This is the day you passed from death unto life. This is the day your salvation was granted to you. And it's not being worked out. It is finished. And it's recorded. It's immovable. It's eternal. And I want my life to be lived. Not just in awareness of that foundation. But on that foundation. Number two, it has an unbreakable seal. Having this seal that the Lord knoweth them that are his. That's not the same as the seal of the Holy Spirit. See, you've been sealed with the Spirit until the day of your full redemption. It says that this foundation has a seal. It's a statement. It's for the benefit of the believer. It's not so much for hell to know, because hell can tell what a regenerated life is. Satan and his emissaries can tell. But it's for you. Since you can't see the invisible part, this seal is supposed to be external. That the Lord knoweth them that are his. It's invisible to the eye, but traceable in the life. The Lord knows them that are his because he has redeemed them. Because of the Spirit of God working in you. Because of your love for God and your need of him. Don't forget with all you're doing that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's the greatest commandment. And he knows us because we love him. 
and we desire to do the things that are pleasing to him. The spirit of God working in us. We are not changing because of resolutions alone. We are changing because there is within us a part of the Godhead that is pushing us to Christ-likeness, that pushes us to glorify God in our choices and in our decisions. Excuse me. He knows us because of the work we do for him and the sufferings we endure with him. And because of our waiting and longing for his return. The Lord knows in his omniscience who are his. But he also watches in the day-to-day expressions and the living out of your faith. The evidentiary work of your purchase of your redemption. I work for someone because he exists. I work for someone because he is mine. I consecrate myself to him because of relationship. I sanctify myself from the world because of relationship. We teach, we preach, we sing, we evangelize, we share our faith. We are good to the poor. We are benevolent. We are forgiving. We are these things which brings evidence. That's the seal. The the evidence of the seal. The Lord knows who are his and his live unto him. In him we live It's not, God's not an add-on. He's the originator of all of his divine intention in our life and the purposes he has for us. And he works them out in time. This seal, this seal is also expressed in those who are waiting and longing for his return. The Lord knows who are his, and those that are his want to be with him. Waiting, longing, crying out for, preparing their earthly life for a heavenly departure. I can tell who are his because they are anticipating his returning for them. Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into heaven? This same Jesus is going to come in like manner. Not just to the earth in the second coming, but to the clouds to take us unto himself. He knows us fully and perfectly. Fully and perfectly. He loves us and cares for us. And protects us and preserves us and guides everyone that is his. He will one day personally and publicly acknowledge everyone that is his. I I don't know how that's going to play out. Whether it'll be all at one time or if it'll be both. All at one time and individually. But somewhere in eternity there's going to be that moment. Where's his, where, where, where's John? Come here. Poor fella, come here. Okay. I love you. You're, you're mine. You're mine. You didn't choose me, John. I chose you. You're mine. You're mine. He's going to acknowledge us 
in front of family members. Some of you have family members that have mocked you your whole life and you're, you're, you're drinking the Kool-Aid and you know, you're poisoned with the opiate of ignorance and you, you've created this religion and God himself is going to separate you in that day and when he makes up his jewels and he says, these are mine. They were mine when they told you so. They are mine and they shall forever be mine. He is going to publicly identify and acknowledge us as his prized possession. Isn't that humbling? Isn't that beautiful? This seal is one of a kind, but there are many counterfeits. They'll tell you this is the identity of the believer. This is the identity of the believer. Uh, a believer must do this. A believer must do this. I'm identified by a seal that the Lord knows them that are his. This seal is not ornate or elaborate, but it's perfectly simple. Sonship. When the disciples watched Jesus pray, they would ask him, they'd say, Lord, teach us to pray. The only thing they ever asked Jesus to teach him how to do. They didn't say, teach us how to preach. They didn't say, teach us how to perform miracles. They watched the union between Jesus, the Son, and the Father. And they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he said, our Father, that's how you pray. Now, there was more to it, but he said, everything starts with, continues by, and culminates in sonship. Come before me in his name. Come before me in relationship. Come before me. That identity. There are other imitations, but they are tinsel crowns compared to the seal of God's ownership of us. This seal cannot be altered or broken by any other being or force. I don't know who this is for this morning. I wrote this after my sermon was done in my office. But your position in Christ is not connected to anyone that was never there, like a parent or a spouse that walked away or someone that your walk with the Lord caused them to, to, to leave you. Your position in Christ is not connected to any other individual that's ever lived. It's Christ and Christ alone. Number three, the universal distinction. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I want you to see that in your Bible, the last part of verse 19. If you name the name, depart from iniquity. If you identify yourself with him, depart from iniquity. If you wear the seal, if you stand on the foundation, depart from iniquity. Depart. That's Greek for depart. <laughs> Separate yourself from iniquity. Have no affiliation with iniquity. Denounce iniquity. Renounce. Reject. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.11, and boy, this will make Christians mad today. Listen to this. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. WWJG, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Stop judging people. Reprove them. Not only do we not have association with the works of darkness, but we reprove it so that other immature believers won't fall into it. 
We reprove. We stand separate. I cannot walk in sin and walk with God. You cannot walk with sin and walk with God. If you, if you walk in sin, you walk in a different direction than Jesus. You walk at a different pace than Jesus. If I'm holding hands with someone and they continue to walk north and I start to walk south, eventually that bond is broken. I'm going to ask you today, like I asked myself, do you have pleasure in unrighteousness? Are you just proud, you know, man, you don't know how bad I was and I done gave up about 80% of it, but I'm, I'm way better than I used to be. Well, that, that's not the goal. The goal is to be altogether His. We're not striving to be perfect. We're striving to have a perfect heart that says, I don't want anything in my life that grieves you, O Lord. There's a flood going through the church today. And, and it's demonic and it's propagated by pastors as well as people in the church. If we can blur the lines to what sin is and we're not really sure and God loves everybody anyway, then how can I repent of something that doesn't exist or has clear lines? How can I depart from something that I have not identified? Anger is sin. Well, acting on our anger is sin. Pride is sin. Lust, whether it's pornography or through your own eyes, someone that's not your spouse, is sin. Greed is sin. Uh, unforgiveness is sin. Racism is sin. Selfishness is sin. We are supposed to we are supposed to be aware of these things. And th this is why Christians, I, I guess, it's so narrow <laughs> that we want to live broad-shouldered like everyone else. That's why y'all like the aisle seats. I sit on the aisle seat because there's room. We like room. But if you come after Christ... The first words are deny yourself. If you want to follow me, deny yourself. Deny yourself the opportunity, the luxury, the freedom, and live constrained for my glory. If you name the name of Christ, depart from iniquity. We depart from iniquity because of his holiness. You don't hear this preached anymore. I don't hear it anywhere, especially on Christian television, the majority of it. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Well, I'm going to see him. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. First of all, I have to stand in his righteousness, but I can't partake, I can't live in immorality or, or sin. We all sin, but if we sin, we have an advocate to the Father and we should confess our sins and depart from. Do you know what we do to rationalize? We, some of us here. When sin is here, we might not practice it, but we're close enough to enjoy the heat from it. Depart is the word. Depart from. If you name the name of Christ, depart from. Distance yourself from. I've said this for many years. There's a 0% chance of me getting shot in Atlanta today for one reason. 
I'm not in Atlanta. There's distance between me and that bullet. You see? How near are you to a sin that you are not practicing? Depart. We depart from sin because of this expectation, God's expectation, and His commandments. We depart from sin because of the fear of the Lord. We depart from sin because of our new nature and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We depart from sin because of our knowledge of the Scripture and our firsthand experience with it in our lives. If for no other reason, if we would cognitively look at what sin did in our lives, we would depart from it, but we have rationalized and we've excused and we have been brainwashed. There's a reason they call your television shows program. Programming. We're brainwashed to where you watch your Lifetime movie and the woman's not really in love with her husband because, you know, he doesn't bring her coffee in the morning or he brings the wrong kind. And there's a guy at work who really understands her and he brings her coffee. And before you know it, you're rooting for her to leave her husband and get with Freddie at the coffee. And he brings her coffee and you go, oh. Because we're programmed. Instead of saying, that ain't right. That's not her husband. That's not right. That's when you're, dis when you're near the smoke of that fire gets all on you and brings you great confusion. Depart from that iniquity. We know clearly what sin is, what iniquity is, what immorality and rebellion is by His Word. We know how it feels to grieve the Holy Spirit and to be convicted. We know the deceptive nature of sin. We know the cancerous and contagious elements of sin. We know the direction of sin, the progression of sin, the depravity of sin, the comrades of sin, and the destination of sin. The soul that sinneth it shall die. If you name the name of Christ going into this year, depart, put distance from you and your, your iniquity of choice. Distance yourself from any and all expressions. Your flesh is going to scream and cry out. How ridiculous, how narrow, how legalistic. No, how right. Here's one that is preached to myself so many times. I'll hear my own echo. Um, you've never felt conviction like when you, your sermon comes back to you. Instead of asking what's wrong with it, ask the question what's right with it. Man, that'll gap you. That'll put the distance between well, what's wrong with it? No, what's right with that? What's right with that relationship? What's right with that pursuit? And if I can't make that pursuit be God-honoring and God-preeminent, then it's probably not good for me. And we know the high cost of sin to ourselves and others. We know what sin is. We know what we're convicted of. I preach but I'm not convicted of it. Not anymore. You used to be. But you've seared your conscience with a hot iron. And can't we all see from the onslaught of media and television and the lukewarmness of others that things that used to make us flush and hide our face now is no big deal? 
God give us back the conviction of a pricked heart and say, that's not good. Turn that off. I'm not watching that. Of course, we're all good Pharisees. We judge people from our strengths, you know. But I'm amazed at the people that will come on uh, Facebook or something and they'll watch some award show and it will be a demonic, a demonic display of, of false gods and Ashtaroth and Baal and, and demonic dances. And they'll comment, did you see so-and-so perform that? Oh, girl, wasn't that something? I'm going, what, what, what is wrong? We have seared our conscience as with a hot iron and we no longer understand that the distinction is supposed to bring a separation. We're supposed to know. We're supposed to know. That grieves the Lord. And listen, you can't gauge it by somebody else because their knower may not work no more. Anybody else got believers that get in their car and they'll start singing something and you go, is he singing about adultery? And they just be bopping along, you know. She's acting single and I'm drinking double. And you go, whoa, whoa. Anyway, better get off that. That might be somebody's pet sin. The unshakable foundation, the unbreakable seal, and a universal distinction. The universal distinction is we depart from iniquity. If our musician would come, please, this morning. I got my boy a Nintendo Switch for Christmas. I'm not a gamer. The last game I owned was Pong. Oh, I had, a, well, I didn't own it. My buddy Chuck had one. And we, we played Pong. And he's going to put some English on it. All of us back forth. He beat, I'm, all, I'm just raising my hand telling you. My seven-year-old beat me nine times in a row at Mario Kart. I'm thinking, I got hand-eye coordination. I used to be a quarterback. I, I was a shortstop. I, I, how can this boy that can't clean himself <laughs> beat me at my... I, I just... I could, and I said, Elisha, how are you throwing things at me? You're throwing bombs and, 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 and banana peels and, and th- you're throwing squids and all this stuff at me. He goes, I ain't going to tell you. You know, in video games, you get like an invisibility cloak or a, a invincibility something, you know? And once you get that, like I hit one button, I don't know how I did it, and I just flew past everybody. I went from like fifth place to first. I was like, oh, oh, what meaneth this? That, that button, oh, I'm about to tie it all together for you. That button, that we need as believers an end-all invincibility button that acknowledges everything that's been said and done up to that point but comes against it with such force and with such clarity that it decimates and dissipates all arguments heretofore that's what this word is nevertheless Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. 
a succinct word, a timeless word, a personal word, even a prophetic word, accurately foretelling our future before it even gets here. When you step onto the college campus only to find well-rehearsed, mind-numbing arguments that come in as a tidal wave against a useful, unproven faith, and they are more exercised in their rhetoric than you are in your testimony, and they get done telling you how the world could not be created by God, and that God does not exist, and if anything, He's an ethereal idea, and when they're done spouting off all that they've accumulated in academia, that little 18-year-old boy stands there and says, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure that the Lord knows them that are His. What'd you say? I said, nevertheless, you may argue better than me, but He knows me. And that's the final word for you. When your peace is shattered upon hearing the words, malignant, miscarriage, Alzheimer's, or hospice, you say the word. When marriage vows are broken, faithfulness is betrayed, friendship is forgotten, and the beauty of this life is found primarily in your rearview mirror, you say, nevertheless, when the pregnancy test shows negative and the COVID test shows positive and your prayers are seemingly floating around above you in neutral, nevertheless, when all of the news around you is bad and the dark clouds of the unknown turn into fear and despair. What of the world? What of your nation? What of your family? What of your future? What of the shaking that's going on nationally, internationally, politically and racially? What of the man-made diseases? What of the natural diseases? What of the pandemics and the epidemics? Both known and yet unknown. What of the insanity of the media? The powerlessness of the church, the deception of the masses, and the silence of other believers. What do you do when that which you fear has come upon you and Satan's hordes come in with relentless lies masquerading as the truth and they will not relent until they are acknowledged? Listen. So this is how God repays you? Some of you are hearing these words now. This is how God repays faithfulness? What good has it come to you to serve the Lord? Where is your God today? Where is the promise of the answered prayers? How can he plan such for you? How can he allow such? How can he condone such? And how can God sit silently by? Where is the God who parts the Red Sea, walks on the water and raises the dead? Is there no balm in Gilead? Has Emmanuel changed his name or address? What say you, believer? <coughs> Cat got your tongue? Have you no answer? Have you no rebuttal? Have you no explanation? Have you no courage? Have you no hope? It is in that moment with absolute conviction that you pull from your arsenal a word for 2022. One word that is so truthful that it shatters a thousand lies. One word so powerful that it breaks every bondage, every stronghold, and every deception. One word so simple that it needs no explanation and so profound that it has no rival. One word that from the least of the saints to the greatest, it wields the same divine authority. Nevertheless, 
I understand all of what's happened nevertheless. I understand the threats, the imaginations. I see the unknown. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure that the Lord knows them that are His. Period. It ends the argument for the believer. It stabilizes. It satisfies. It has no rival. No argument can come against that. So irregardless of where I find myself, how I find myself, and with who I find myself, irregardless of the environment, the company, the climate, or the culture, no matter if I stand in the majority, minority, approved, or I'm maligned, I have the answer. Listen, you have the answer. Regardless of the question that cannot be withstood or ignored. Nevertheless, would you stand with me this morning? I want all of you to look at me this morning, if you will. I want you to go home and ask the Lord to bury this deep in your soul. And I want it to roll off your tongue during the year. In public and in private. When you're strong and when you're weak. When you're in season and when you're out of season. When you know exactly what's going on and when you're confused. You say that word. Hell trembles at the idea of you knowing that you are God's. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows who are His. Period. Period. May you wield this sword with the courage of the men and women that have gone before you and found strength in this name. I believe this is a word from the Lord for you this coming year. Nineteen years ago, Dr. Mark Rutland wrote a book called Nevertheless. It sits on my shelf. And I walked by it the other day. And it's almost like it jumped off the, the uh, bookcase to me. And I went, that's for this year. It's what you're carrying in your arse. You know, in, in Elisha's little game, one of the games... They had, the little guy had things in his backpack. He had an axe and a, a sword and a stick. And it looked like a Fred Flintstone pork chop or something. I don't know what it was. He had all these things in there. And he would just, he just reach in there and, you know, I'm just getting killed by everything. I got a butterfly come by and kill me, you know. And I'm, I'm Elisha's just killing these huge creatures. You know what I got in my arsenal for this year? Well, first of all, we have the sword of the Spirit. I know, but I'm... You know what my primary verse is for today? Going in the year? Nevertheless. Hey, John, what do you think about so-and-so? Nevertheless. That ain't what I asked you, but that's my answer. Nevertheless. Do you believe that's for you this year? You are more secure today than you've ever been. Equally as secure as you've ever been. God has carved you in the palm of his hand. If Jesus tarries, it's going to get worse before it gets better. But the foundation is going to get, you're going to be more aware of it. And the seal is going to be more present. And you're going to have a peace that passes understanding. 
It's gonna. It, it, it's not explainable. You say, "How is it, man?" That couldn't be much else wrong in my life, but I'm good. What? I, isn't that crazy? Nothing's working. N- nothing seems to be working. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm good. How can you say you're good? Because the foundation of God stands sure. The Lord knows them that are His. Would you just bow your heads for a moment and then we're going to close with a a song of worship. Would you just talk to the Lord? If if this is in your heart, you don't have to do it, but if, if there's something in this message that's stirred, I want you to say that word to yourself and to God and let hell hear it nevertheless. Mm. Nothing's changed, nevertheless. I'm still God's, nevertheless. He still cares, nevertheless. Nevertheless. That's my word for this year. Lord, may I use that word to help others, to encourage myself, to bring clarity, to bring strength, to keep me grounded, to keep my eyes, like Jason said, set on things above and my affections. Let that word, Lord, let it be buried deep in our heart today. Guys in the sound booth, would you cue this, this last song? I thought this would be a good one to seal this worship service. It'll be on your screens.
say amen. So let's go into this year strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Full of the Holy Spirit and buried right under the surface. A word that's going to carry us home. Nevertheless, have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.